0: We are in a series entitled Poverty, Money, and God. Two weeks ago, my wife kicked this series off with a message on releasing your blessing. That was absolutely one of the finest messages that I have ever heard. I'm not just blowing smoke or saying that because she's sitting here, But a lot of individuals have told her that, and I've heard her minister for 35 years. And this was just really one of the best that I have ever heard. It was a great start to this series on poverty, money, and God. Today, I'm going to continue with part two, and I've entitled it, Scarcity Versus Abundance Mindset. Join me in our text, which is taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, and we'll begin reading in verse 13. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed, and they followed on foot from many of the towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd, and as he stepped from the boat, excuse me, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Let's pause for just a moment and find out what it was that caused Jesus to get into this boat and attempt to slip away in anonymity, in privacy. He was trying to be alone after some news that he had gotten. This chapter begins with the death of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a personal friend of Jesus. They were co laborers in the kingdom of God at that time. I don't know how much time they had to spend together and of course their ministries were so vibrant and each of them busy with those things that I don't imagine them spending a lot of time during the day together, but they were actually relatives. John the Baptist was a relative of Jesus. John the Baptist was taken by Herod and brought into his court. He was arrested because of what he was preaching. And during an evening in the court where the king and his His attendants, legal minds, others that he surrounded himself with. His wife was there, his daughter was there, and they were drinking and having a great time. And Herod, in that state of, I don't know if he was drunk or what, I think he probably had his mind about him, but I'm not sure that he realized what he was promising. He told his wife that he would give her anything that she wanted. Actually, I think it was Herodias, his daughter. And Herodias was a dancer. She danced very seductively and for entertainment of the, especially the men who were there in the court. And again, with the drinking and the dancing and so forth, Herod was caught up in that and promised, if if there's anything you want, I'll do anything for you, just ask. She asked her mother what she should ask for. And her mother said, I want the head of John the Baptist. So they, the king was devastated. I I mean, he he never imagined that that request would come. And uh, there wasn't any way out of it he had promised. He had promised in front of his entire court that he would give his daughter anything. And so he had his uh, security team go and get John the Baptist. They beheaded him. Now I want you to think about this. We in our modern times have seen some of the barbarism that that uh, has taken place over in the Middle East by some of the beheadings by groups like ISIS, uh, doing it in <clears throat> large part, I'm sure, for the shock value and to make a statement. And uh, th- th- everything within us repulses. it. It's such a repulsive thing, so barbaric, so... Well, this is what happened here. They got John the Baptist, beheaded him. Now, they took this all one step further. His wife said, I want his head on a plate. As you read through those first 12 scriptures, you'll find that they took his head, put it on a plate and carried it in and handed it to these two ladies. John's disciples went and got his body and went and buried it. The news of all of this reached Jesus' ears. And in verse 13, it says, when Jesus heard this news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Verse 15, that evening when the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, this isn't necessary. You feed them. (laughs) This isn't necessary. You feed them. Jesus, we're in a remote place. It's gotten late now. The sun has set. There's crowds of people here. Please tell them to go back into town and buy themselves some food. We don't want want to get caught out here in this desolate place with thousands of hungry individuals. Now, the Bible says that the number of the men present were 5,000 It specifically says that the men numbered 5,000 but how many of you know there had to be some wives there and there were most likely a bunch of children this crowd could have been 10 or 15,000 people without any problem imagine that no food a desolate place and John the Baptist has just been headed beheaded and the news has gotten to Jesus and his team We don't want to deal with this pressure, Lord. We don't want to have to handle this. We're not equipped. (laughs) How many of you have ever felt ill-equipped for the circumstances that are pressing on you? And so they come to Jesus and said, Jesus, the simplest thing for us to do is send these people away. Let them go buy their own meal back in the village. Jesus said, that's not necessary. You feed them. Has Jesus ever said anything to you that just sort of caused your mind to go on tilt, that didn't make sense, that you questioned and you said, get behind me, Satan, that can't be the Lord. (laughs) But Jesus, verse 17, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. I can just hear him going, bring them to me. Bring them here to me. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass, and Jesus took the five loaves and the fish. Watch. He looked up, Toward heaven and blessed them then breaking the loaves into pieces he gave the bread to his disciples who distributed to, uh, distributed it to the people and they all ate say all, all. how many all. how many of them ate all. they all ate watch this as much as they wanted has someone ever come up to you and said hey let's go to dinner it's on me <laughs> And then you get there, you know, you got the menu open, you're looking through it, your mouth is kind of drooling, and they say, now, I've only got $30 to spend but for the two of us. How many of you know that's not going to be a night of splurging? That's not going to be an all-you-can-eat unless you're like at Taco Bell, one of my favorite places. I I could splurge at Taco Bell on $30. I'm just saying. I, I could splurge at Taco Bell on $15. But now, if we go to my favorite steak place, we're not going to get that that done. But it says here that they ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. And the number of the men were 5,000 that were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. Have you ever said something like this? It's always been this way. We're talking about mindset this morning. It's always been this way. I work so hard, but still I can't make ends meet. Have you ever said that? I know you thought it. Have you ever said that out loud? How about this one? If the economy would just turn around, I might have a chance. You don't understand what it's like to struggle. It's the story of my life. How many of you? It's the story of my life. You just don't understand, Pastor Jeff, what a struggle it is. We're talking about mindset this morning. If I ever have any extra, I'll be the first to give it back and to live generously. Have you ever said something like that? How about this one? I never have enough. I'll never be able to. I wanna talk to you this morning About eight traits, comparisons between eight traits of scarcity and that mindset and abundance and that mindset. Stephen Covey, how many of you know Mr. Covey? Great author, positive thinker, leader, manager. Uh, Stephen Covey, a very popular book on the subject of team and people and being successful in life said this, and I quote, most people are deeply scripted in what I call the scarcity mentality. They see life as having only so much as though there were only one pie out there. And if someone were to get a big piece of the pie, it would mean less for everyone else. End quote. William James, James said, the greatest discovery of my generation is that a human being can alter their life by altering their attitudes. Let your mindset be your biggest asset, he said, end quote. Well, actually, that's not new. He didn't come up with that. Do you know the Apostle Paul addressed this issue of our mindset, the scarcity versus abundance mindset, In Romans chapter 12, from the Passion Translation, he says this Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of the way you think. See, what you think will control your destiny, what you set your mind on will determine your scarcity or your abundance. The complete Jewish Bible says, regarding verse 2 in Romans, keep letting yourselves be transformed by the renewing of your minds. I like that. There's a little nuance to that. I wonder if you caught it. Keep letting. You see, it's not even my effort. It's not me trying to renew my mind. It's not me being good enough. It's not me trying to get God to renew my mind. It's the fact that when I meditate on God's thoughts, his word, his word washes and it renews and it transforms. The word is metamorpho, recognize it? Metamorphosis, recognize it? The worm who spins the cocoon, And from the inside out, without any effort on its own, it's built into his DNA, becomes a beautiful butterfly. And so the complete Jewish Bible says, keep letting yourselves be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I want to give you eight things that you can renew your mind and get read of scarcity thinking and move over into abundance thinking. You ready? Get your paper out. You'll want to write them down. Stillness. In our text, it says that Jesus, after he heard this news, got into a boat and he went to a remote area to be alone. Did you know that being contemplative is foundational to living in an abundant mindset. Getting away from it all. Being alone. Just thinking. You don't even need to pray. You certainly don't need to go through this list of moral have-tos and repentance and all of that. Just get alone with Jesus and love him. In fact those who have gone before us and many of the great monastery uh, or monks who live the monastic lifestyle have discovered this great tradition of meditating, meditating in silence. Jesus went to just meditate on the Father silently and be alone because he knew that in that stillness would come a refreshing there would come something to his heart and to his being that would free him. Jesus ministered out of a paradigm of abundance. He understood his source was the Father, and that out of that identity of oneness with the Father, he flowed in hope and in healing. Crowds awoke compassion in Jesus, not resentment. Have you ever felt resentment around people? Have you ever felt resentment being around a crowd? Like, I just, I've got to get out of here. (laughs) I have. Sometimes I just, I don't want to be around anybody anymore. How many of you? And there's that alone time that God honors. But you know what? If you are regularly still, If you are regularly contemplative in the presence of God, God will pour into you an abundance that when you get around people of necessity, when the people are pursuing you of necessity, God will give you a grace to minister out of compassion rather than being resentful that you've had no time for yourself. It's part of the abundant life. And it comes by changing your mindset regarding stillness. So in your handout, scarcity views stillness as being alone and without. Abundance views stillness as rest, expectation, and reflection. Number two. In verse 15 and 16, we're told that Jesus went to that remote place And his disciples, at the end of the day, said, Jesus, we're in a remote place here. It's getting late. Send the crowds away. What were they focused on? They were focused on natural circumstances. They couldn't see what Jesus saw. They didn't have the compassion for the people that Jesus had. Why? Because they were used to living in a mindset of scarcity rather than abundance. You see, what you focus on will determine your scarcity and your abundance. If you focus on the wrong things, you will live in scarcity. If you focus on the things that God focuses on, you will live in abundance. What was Jesus focused on? Well, he said, look, don't send them away. You feed them. He knew something, he saw something they didn't see. You see, God's provision can't be seen or realized when you're looking at the circumstances. What were the circumstances? We're in a barren place, it's late, we don't have any food. How many of you this week have looked at your circumstances and said, We are in a barren place, it's late, we don't have any food? <laughs> And God says, get your eyes off of the circumstances and put them on something unseen. So the scarcity mindset focuses on natural circumstances. The abundant mindset focuses on what you can't see. Now there must have been something there that they could operate in that they couldn't see because Jesus said you feed them what's that about how many of you know there's what we can see and there's what we don't see with our natural eyes that takes getting before god in a stillness and letting the holy spirit move us out of a scarcity mindset into abundance mindset second second uh, peter chapter 4 verse 18 so we don't excuse me second corinthians Chapter 4 and verse 18, I believe it is. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Paulette and Raleigh, there are some things that the Lord has chosen not to show you yet about Florida. You might not want to go (laughs) if you knew everything. But I promise you, as you're still before him and you remain focused on him, there's going to be a new fresh release in your lives that's going to cause you to have a fresh compassion for the people that God will surround you with and an ability to feed them, to minister to them, to bless them. So we don't look at the troubles. That's a good word. Look, say it out loud with me. I choose from this morning forward to stop looking, at my stop looking at my troubles. Scarcity looks at your troubles, abundance looks at something you can't see with your natural eyes, but you know it's out there. You know God's in control, you know it's going to happen something good for you. Number three, also in verse 15 and 16. That evening, after the disciples came to him and said, send the crowd away, Jesus said, it's not necessary. What's necessary? Are you busy with the urgent or with the necessary? Are you busy with what's urgent or are you busy being still before the Father, focused on what is unseen and waiting for him to express what's necessary. And then he speaks, you feed them. What's he talking about? Resources. You see, scarcity views resources as scarce. (laughs) Scarcity says this, there's not enough, so... We're going to have to do something human in our own effort to make this thing possible. So they told Jesus, send these people away so that they can go buy food in the village. Sort of a do-it-yourself religion. How many of you have ever had some problems pile up and then you pull you pull a Abraham and what was Hagar, and they had who? Ishmael, Isaac was the promise, Ishmael was a product of the flesh, of them trying to help God out. I don't know how many times I've tried to help God out. And I make those bad decisions when there's pressure, when there's trouble, when all the circumstances are weighing. And so I cease being still. I lose my focus. And rather than viewing a resource as something the Father's going to give me, I get in the flesh and I try to start working it out and bringing it to pass. Let them buy food for themselves. Scarcity mindset views resources as scarce. Something I have to work on. I have to produce. I have to do more. I have to work harder. I have to... But the abundance mindset sees resources as unlimited. The Father will provide by grace, not because of my performance or my worthiness. Acts chapter three and verse six, then Peter said to the gentleman, let me set this up. They were going to the temple one day, Peter and James, they were walking up, approaching the front of the temple. And as they were, there was a blind man begging. And it caught their attention, and so they fixed their gaze. They turned and looked at this gentleman, and he looked up at them begging for money. And Peter spoke to the gentleman and said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give to you. Rise up and walk. Now, he wasn't saying, I'm poor. When he said, "Silver and gold have I none," he wasn't saying the bank account's empty. I'm poor. You know, God wants you poor for His glory. You know, God doesn't want you to have wealth. That's against Him. Poverty is holy or spiritual. He wasn't saying that. He was saying something similar to me saying to you, "You know what? I just I don't I don't have any change today. I didn't bring any cash. Have you ever told had to, you been in that situation? I don't have any cash on me. You know, that's what he was saying." Silver and gold have I none, but, what do you say? Such as I have, I give. See, there's something on the inside of us that's more tangible than silver and gold. There's something on the inside of you that's there to meet your needs as a resource, that you can count on that's more tangible than your checkbook. It's more tangible than coins in your pocket. It's more tangible than if somebody said, hey, uh, I wanna give you $5,000. Now, you wouldn't wouldn't reject that and say, oh no, 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 I I can't receive that. No, you should receive that. If God leads somebody to give you $5,000, receive it. Or give them my address. (laughs) or my email or (laughs) let them know because I'll happily receive it. But the point is this, see, if it were a check, if it were actually green cash, if it were a coin, if it were something like that, we'd, oh, look at this provision. Isn't this incredible? We'd all be rejoicing. And yet, Peter said, right now, I don't have any coins in my pocket. I don't have any way of giving you lunch, buying you lunch. But what I have, I give. And he raised the man up, and the man was healed, completely healed. Dear ones, do you realize the resource that's on the inside of you this morning is more tangible than your bank account? It's more tangible than your credit card. It's more tangible than your car keys and the car that you're going to get in after service. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. That'll cause me to. Yeah. I have something on the inside of me that I can give. I love this. Verse 16 from our text in the Aramaic translation and language. Listen. He said to them, Never have them go seeking, you grant them food. I don't know why, uh, Raleigh and Paulette, but I really believe it was a divine purpose and encounter for you to be here this morning. I say to you in the name of the Lord, never have them go seeking. God's going to bring you into a provision down there in Florida where you don't have to turn people away even in their natural needs. God's going to bless you, raise you up. Provide so abundantly for yourselves that you'll be able to turn and bless others with it in a great way. Wow. Number four. The mindset of scarcity. Scarcity lives from a scarcity mindset. Abundance lives from an abundant mindset. Look at verse 17. But we only have... Five loaves. We only have, you may have said that this week, but I only have. See, that's a scarcity mindset. When you repeat those words, when you say those words, but I only have. God wants us to move from, but I only to all that he has is mine. Nina brought it to us. In her message, the first message of this series from Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. You remember where the father said to his other son, not the prodigal, but when the prodigal got home, the father threw the prodigal son a great party and his brother got mad and went to his father and was complaining. And one of the things his father said to him is, Son, all that I have has been yours all this time. You could have called on it. You could have operated on it. You could have cashed the check. You could have gone to the bank and turned the tumbler and opened the door. I made the deposit a long time ago on your behalf, but you didn't release it. And so Jesus says to them, you feed them with what? There's something on the. Uh, everybody, do this. Just put your hand on your belly, and say this very simply: "There's something in there." There's something in there. <laughs> now, if you're pregnant, of course there is. But I, I don't. I don't mean that. I mean, all right. Or if you had too much for breakfast, you might right now. <laughs> there is something in there. I, I shouldn't have eaten that much. No, I'm talking about something that you have that you can give to others. When need is expressed, because dear ones, you don't have any need. You, God, the scarcity mindset keeps us living in our needs. The abundant mindset moves me beyond believing for my own needs and moves me into meeting yours now out of what is on the inside of me. All that I have is yours. Verse 18 and 19. Bring them here, Jesus said. Bring bring those loaves and those fish. And then he told the people to sit down on the grass. And Jesus took the loaves and the two fish. And he looked up toward heaven. And he blessed them. Scarcity thinks small. It fears the unknown. Jesus wasn't afraid. Jesus wasn't afraid that 15,000-plus people were now gathered. It was late. They were in a remote area, and he was responsible. That didn't freak Jesus out because he knew he had something with the Father that, that could minister to this situation without any problem. And how did he know that? Because he continually spent time renewing his mind with these principles of abundance. He did not live in scarcity. He lived in abundance. And so he said, look, bring that food to me. Come on. And he looked up to heaven, and he dreamed big thinking small, or scarcity thinks small, and fears the unknown. But the other side of that, look at it. Abundance dreams big and takes risks. (laughs) If there's no risk to what you're dreaming, you're not dreaming big enough. If there's no risk to what you're dreaming, And even if things start going wrong, you have plan B, and and you can see, I I got it backed up. We're good. If if this doesn't work out, uh, we're fine. We have this over here. We'll just, if that's how you live, you're not dreaming big enough. Every once in a while, your dreams ought to scare you. (laughs) You need to get out there just beyond where you can always take care of it. If you can always take care of it, then you're not living in the provision that God wants you to live in because he wants you to live beyond your needs and go over into ministering to the needs of others. So scarcity thinks small and it fears the unknown. Jesus didn't fear those circumstances at all. He looked up to heaven, gave thanks, he dreamed big, he took the risk and he started passing out pieces of the bread now he started with five loaves and how many fish how do you break a fish by the way (laughs) have you ever thought about that I get breaking a loaf and tearing pieces off and handing that out but how do you break fish (laughs) how many people were there well okay let's be conservative Let's just go with the scripture here and not use our imagination at all. There were 5,000 men. Have you ever seen a man eat one taco? At Taco Bell. Have you ever seen a man eat one of anything at dinner? I've seen you eat. I, I, know how you can eat. I know how you can eat yes you do have you ever seen a man eat one pancake why that would be irresponsible when I when I go to IHOP and I like a little pancake with my butter thank you very much Pour that warm syrup on there. Four or five golden pancakes. Now, I don't like them dark brown. Do not serve them to me dark brown. My pancakes need to be golden light. No, I'll send them back. I I have. Now, you think that's bad. Listen to me. My pastor, Earl Johnson from California, we were at breakfast one morning, just me and, and him, at an IHOP, And they brought out his pancakes, and as is usual, there was a little dollop of butter on the the top of the stack. You know what a dollop is, right? A little dollop, just a little spoonful of butter, a little scoop, a butter scoop. And they had pressed it down, so it, it made an indentation in his pancake. They brought that out to him. He looked at it and said, you press that butter in my pancake. I don't want that. Take it back. He sent the pancake order back because they had pressed the dollop of bo- butter down into the pancake and made an indentation. You think I'm particular around here. All right. Some of you get bent when I, you know, ask for something. Uh, he sent it back and had him bring a new order. So, 5,000 men... Five loaves of bread, two fish. Didn't scare Jesus. He was operating out of a mindset of abundance. He had been still before the Lord. He corrected his focus. He was working with supernatural resources and provision, not out of what he could see. He dreamed big, he wasn't afraid of any circumstance. And so the Bible says he looked up towards heaven and he said, thank you, I bless this. He started passing it out, fed 5,000 men. Scarcity is pessimistic about the future. Tough times are ahead. Scarcity says, but abundance is optimistic about the future. It says, my best is yet to come. That's what Jesus heard when the disciples came to him and said, Jesus, it is late. We are alone out here in a scarce place, and we have no food. And Jesus just began to dream. Jesus just began to imagine how God was going to take care of thousands of people supernaturally when all his disciples could see was the need, the scarcity, not enough. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? Uh, we, you know, we always get stuck with Jesus putting us in difficult situations, you know. And Jesus just is operating in peace and he says no problem guys he gave thanks he passed out the bread you know all things are possible to him that believes are you in a situation of life right now where some things that you can see got you under got you in doubt and fear about the future all things are possible to him who believes the passion translation says this in Ephesians 3:20 never doubt god's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this he will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request your most unbelievable dream and he will exceed your wildest imagination you know what's wrong with a lot of us we've stopped dreaming We've stopped imagining. We're not thinking big enough. We're not dreaming big enough. We're not giving God enough to have to meet because we're so settled on our checking account, my career, I've balanced it out. I know if I can do this. I know if I can pay this. I know, well, then I've got it all covered. I can operate in those parameters. I'm safe. And you live in a mindset of scarcity. And so when the pastor asks for a special offering, you can't participate. In fact, if you're really raw from circumstance, I mean, if you've really been rubbed the wrong way from some things that are going on in your life, you get offended that the pastor's asking for a special offering. And no, I'm not going to be asking for a special offering today. I'm not setting you up. Okay? These tables are full of your representations of things in your life that I am going to look up to heaven and command the blessing of God upon today. I'm not here to receive an offering. That's next week. (laughs) (laughs) Two more. Scarcity hopes God will respond to good behavior and bless me. Abundance declares and releases heaven, knowing that blessings are not tied to performance. Scarcity hopes God will respond to good behavior and bless me somehow. But abundant, an abundant mindset declares and releases heaven, knowing that blessings aren't tied to performance. So again, in verse 19, it says, Jesus looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Notice, he did not pray over those loaves of bread and that fish. Oh, we're gonna camp there for just a second. It does not say, Jesus lifted his eyes to heaven and then begin to pray, oh God. You you see how many thousands of people are here. Oh God, somehow we've got to feed them. It's late, they're hungry. Oh Father, somehow could you meet this need for us? He did not pray. Why didn't he pray? He did all of his praying back in his stillness. He did all his praying in his time of meditation and reflection. He did all his praying before he stepped out for ministry as they would walk through the towns. He he already took care of that. (laughs) And so when he got out there and he was facing circumstances, just like Lazarus when Lazarus was dead, did you ever notice that in the scripture where it says that Jesus approached the tomb of Lazarus, that he never prayed? In fact, get this. Watch this, everybody. He said, just before he called Lazarus out from the grave, he said this, Father, I'm going to go ahead and do this because I know people are listening. But Lazarus has already been raised. You look at it. You look at it. Not right now, please. Stay with me. But I challenge you. You go home, check me out, see if I'm right. Jesus only prayed at the tomb of Lazarus because of the people standing around who were stuck in religion. He did not ask God to raise Lazarus from the dead. He did not pray over this bread and this fish. And then he said to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. He <laughs> <laughs> walked the, you want, yeah. Why? Because Jesus knew inside himself that he was calling on something inside him that was supernatural that God had put there by his presence and that he didn't need to pray. He had spent time with the Father already. He was calling heaven down to earth as on earth. As in heaven, so on earth, Jesus taught us to pray. Lazarus, come forth. So he has these five loaves, two little fish, thousands of people to feed, and he looks up to heaven, and I think he smiled. The scripture doesn't say this, but here's what I think he did. (laughs) This is gonna be fun. This is gonna be fun. God, you're gonna do it all again. Thank you. Now I release. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your provision. Now I release this bread. I release this fish. And he started passing it out to his disciples. They started breaking. And every time they'd break off a piece, the loaf would grow out. They'd break off another Imagine walking around, thousands of people. The scripture says he sat them down in rows. Jesus was, where's Bruce. Bruce, you are not the first maintenance church maintenance guy. Jesus was. Jesus knew how to set people down orderly and in rows. See, there's a reason for church maintenance and setting chairs in a, in a row and all of that. Jesus set him in rows. Why? So that he could get to them. That's why we have you in rows and don't just have you all up front sitting wherever you want. I can't get to you. So Jesus his disciples just started walking up and down. the. Every time they'd break off a piece, the loaf would grow out. They'd break off a piece of the fish. The fish would expand. Can you imagine what his disciples were thinking? Can you? Dear ones, you don't have any lack. You don't, you're not living in scarcity. You are living in abundance. You have God living on the inside of you. He's filled you with his spirit. The same Jesus that did that miracle lives in you and is still doing miracles of provision today. We need to stop operating in scarcity and quit praying doubt-filled prayers. It would be better for you to shut up. And not pray than to keep speaking and praying prayers filled with scarcity, mindset, just don't pray at that moment when you don't know anything else to say that's positive and filled with the spirit of God and filled with the provision of God that's been looking at the Father instead of your circumstances just but, but, mm, just. Don't say anything. Don't pray. You don't need to pray. God knows what you have need of before you ask him. He's not dumb. He didn't need you to ask for him to know and to perform it. Jesus took that food and he said, thanks. Now I release it. And it started multiplying. hmm checkbook what we are not going to do today is pray over this if I allowed that we'd be begging and crying and what's your balance and oh well I don't know if the Lord can take care of that right away I mean maybe next month. in the name <laughs> Father I release provision now in this life represented by this checkbook the bills are paid there's an abundance thank you daddy oh that's fun <laughs> 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 There was a radio interview with the former presidential candidate and famous physician, Ben Carson. How many of you remember Ben? Eloquent, would have made a good president. So wise, great physician. And he proposed during this interview a double-sided thought experiment. Listen, he said, and I quote, you take somebody who has the right mindset You can take everything from them, put them back out on the street, and I guarantee you in a little while, they'll be right back up from there. But you take somebody who has the wrong mindset, you can give them everything in the world, and they'll work their way right back down to the bottom. End quote. In a radio interview. Now that would be a great precedent. (laughs) I think I can't, I think I can't, I think I can't, I think I... Remember the little nursery rhyme of the engine, the little engine that could? And I think I can't, I think I can't. I, oh, wait. No, it was, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Do you remember the 12 men that went to spy out Canaan? 10 were bad and 2 were good. What did they see when they spied out Canaan? Yeah, giants in the land, right? Ten brought back a bad report saying we can't. And do you remember what they said? I have it written down here. There were giants, the sons of Anak, who came from the giants. And we, in our own sight, were like grasshoppers. Let me ask you, do you have a grasshopper mentality today? When you look at your needs, when you look at your bills, when you look at the things that you have in your hand, do you see it as a grasshopper? Jesus looked up towards heaven without any grasshopper mentality and he just said, hey, daddy, thanks. I bless this. I release this. And the last one. Scarcity sees money and wealth as suspect. Just something, Christians shouldn't have very much of it. I know we need to pay our bills, but you know beyond that, maybe be able to get to work in a decent car that doesn't break down every week, but you know beyond that. They see spirituality as best enhanced by sort of a poverty, sort of a vow of poverty. Shouldn't have very much. Whereas abundance mentality sees money and wealth as part of God's plan. It views abundance in a way that glorifies God. And so Jesus looked up into heaven. He blessed. He didn't pray. And he released. The scripture says, if you say to the mountain, be removed, it will remove. The reason why is because scarcity sees circumstances as permanent, but abundance sees circumstances as temporary. God expects me to release his purposes. Abundance glorifies God. Money is not the root of all evil. Jesus did not teach that it was godly to be poor, and neither did Paul. Somebody said, so are you one of those prosperity guys? You really think that God wants the native villagers to all have a Cadillac? Oh, shut up. (laughs) Now that's just stupid. That's ignorance gone to seed right there. What would a villager in Africa do with a Cadillac? There aren't any streets to drive it on. Where are you going to park it? They don't have garages. If you took off in it, you wouldn't barely get down the street until you ran into trees and forest. Where are you going to go in a stupid Cadillac? That wouldn't be prosperity to a villager in Africa. Prosperity to a villager who's trying to get over to another villager, village over mountain slopes and through trees and all of that on narrow paths looks like a motorbike or a good bicycle. So don't tell me that God certainly this whole prosperity thing, God doesn't want villagers to have Cadillacs says you. Do you really think God's going to give everybody in Africa a Cadillac? Well, no, I don't, because that'd be stupid. God, doesn't, God isn't stupid. But I do believe. That if you're a villager and you're working in your village and you need to go out and, go- and, and share the gospel and love people, that God could bless you with a good bicycle so that you could get around. Do you know that a bicycle in some villages is like a Cadillac to you and me? Do you believe they could believe for that? Do you believe God would want them to have that so that they could share the gospel? Well, of course he would. And so what does the Bible say? Paul said this. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say, he said? The word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. That if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you have believed and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith, and you are saved. The word saved means provision, healing, deliverance, all of those things. So John 15.8, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. You bring great glory to my Father. It does not bring glory to God for you to be sick, poor, and unable to share his love with others in any way. So what are we talking about? Scarcity mindset views stillness as being alone. Abundant mindset views Stillness is rest, expectation, and reflection. Scarcity focuses on natural circumstances. Abundance focuses on the unseen. Scarcity views resources as scarce and that you have to do it yourself to get them. Abundance sees resources as unlimited and that the Father provides them by grace. Scarcity lives from a scarcity mindset. But I only have, I only have but abundance lives from an abundant mindset that all the Father has is mine. Scarcity thinks small and fears the unknown. Abundance dreams big and takes risk. Scarcity is pessimistic about the future, but abundance is optimistic about the future. Scarcity hopes that God will respond to good behavior and bless us some way, somehow, but an abundant mindset declares and releases heaven knowing that blessings are not tied to our performance. Scarcity sees money as suspect and spirituality as needing poverty. An abundant mindset sees money and wealth as part of God's plan and that it glorifies God. Wow.